Chapter Eight of Mrs. Solomon Smith by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. I'm glad that Solomon ain't along. Ha! He said again, wheeling quickly and bestowing a searching, peculiar glance on Mrs. Solomon Smith. He had not known her very well. It was not strange, perhaps, that he had forgotten her existence. Yet he did not lose his self-possession in the least. "'Mrs. Smith, how do you do?' he said, lifting his hat with grace. "'If I ought to remember you, I beg pardon for my delinquency. Laura, I remember those eyes. You look more natural now. Do you know how they used to flash at me, Auntie, when I was guilty of any special wickedness in her estimation?' well jake is your carriage ready this last to a grey-coated driver who appeared before us at that moment touching his cap then we will go mrs smith can i do anything for you before we depart whereupon the good lady seemed to consider it time to come herself to the rescue he doesn't remember me laura addressing herself to laura's angry eyes rather than to irving of course not how should he he was just a slip of a boy when i saw him last why bless your heart elizabeth herself doesn't know me though i am her old aunt i haven't seen her since she wore long-sleeve aprons made of pink gingham elizabeth repeated irving still in utmost bewilderment evidently the name was unfamiliar to him yes elizabeth smith my niece Lida, they call her mostly i guess though it seems a pity when she has a good christian name lida it is impossible to convey to you an idea of the tones in which these brief words were exploded from our elegant young man's lips but he understood at last who mrs solomon smith was i beg pardon he said in the easy tone common to him i had not heard of your expected arrival and was therefore in fog your relatives will be delighted no doubt allow me and he helped himself to her bundles and boxes with the speed and grace of a gentleman still the colour on his face was heightened and there was a slight cloud over the former sunniness here jake he said to that official take these now auntie we are ready at last i believe and he gallantly offered me his arm but laura interposed i will take care of mamma she said coldly evidently not having forgiven his greeting to her friend the steps are icy please give your arm to mrs smith he did it promptly and courteously but the frown on his face deepened the smith mansion was a blaze of light as our carriage stopped before the steps the door was thrown widely open revealing a large and richly furnished hall with every jet in the handsome chandelier sending forth a glow of welcome a lady and gentleman stood in waiting and a trifle in the background was a pretty girl in faultless home attire this was evidently lida our greeting was warm even profuse in its cordiality yet the same astonishment that irving had shown at the cars met mrs solomon smith we actually had to introduce her to her relatives why jonas you certainly know me she said at last a touch of asperity in her voice fifteen or twenty years isn't such an awful while to people of our age 
that all trace of what there was of us has disappeared i should know you in joppa is it possible that this is solomon's wife the dignified and somewhat portly mr smith managed at last to say and there was added to his astonishment a touch of embarrassment that's exactly who i am solomon couldn't come so he sent me and this is elizabeth is it dear child you outgrew your pink gingham aprons long ago but you'll never outgrow your eyes i remember them they was about the prettiest baby eyes i ever looked at as blue as a piece of the sky and the outsides of them looking as though they were made of the finest kind of china they were pretty eyes yet and they sparkled over this delicate bit of praise their small owner submitting to the hearty old-fashioned kiss which her aunt gave her with passable grace though she had much smoothing out of drapery to do when the old arms were withdrawn altogether it was a somewhat embarrassing time to all parties the smiths covered their surprise and annoyance with what grace they could and seemed anxious to overwhelm laura and me with attentions to atone for the momentary bewilderment it transpired that it was genuine bewilderment the country brother solomon and solomon's wife had been duly invited to the approaching wedding jonas having insisted on so much respect being paid either out of regard for the brother or in memory of the note on which interest had not been paid for five years but it had not seemed to occur to any member of the family that the country relatives could by any possibility accept the invitation mrs smith's carefully written letter apprising them of her coming was brought in with the evening mail about two hours after their arrival our note to irving had been more prompt not having travelled first in the wrong direction as mrs smith's evidently had but we had neglected naturally enough to mention our travelling companion and to make the bewilderment more complete none of the party knew until we told them that we came from the same village as for irving despite laura's indignation he was not to blame the smiths had not moved to the little place near us until more than a year after he was gone and if he ever knew that the old lady from the farm where we got butter and eggs was named smith all knowledge of it and of her had certainly departed from him we were shown to our room laura's and mine a front one on the second floor arranged with every detail of modern elegance that could be imagined warmed by furnace lighted by gas brussels carpet on the floor rich and expensive curtains at the windows mirrors long and wide and clear reflecting our figures whichever way we turned delicately embroidered lace finished pillow shams on the exquisitely made bed and every bright and tasteful toilet appliance that we could by any stretch of luxurious tastes contrive to want in short the guest chamber par excellence of the house of course we were to receive special honour at their hands for were we not the aunt and cousin of the prospective bridegroom we recognised the naturalness of all this yet i think laura and i had the same unspoken anxiety as to how it fared with the dear tired old lady who had borne so cheerily the fatigues of the all-day journey i wish i knew which was her room mamma i would like to go and straighten her cap for her and brush her dress 
and coax her to leave her knitting upstairs for this one evening i am afraid the pretty bride which is to be would faint if she should appear in the parlor with one of those gray socks she is always knitting oh mamma i hope they are not all shams irving and all the seven o'clock dinner was gotten through with at last though it was an ordeal more or less trying to every one of us mrs smith in her round-waisted and short-waisted dress and her very old-fashioned cap looked unlike anything that the city ladies had probably ever seen at their own table before moreover she ate with her knife and did not use her napkin and poured her tea into a saucer and swooped up the last drop of soup from her plate with a distinct sound for each swallow common enough mistakes in an old lady entirely pardonable if the people surrounding her had loved her or if she had been a stranger to them but to have to acknowledge her as a relative was i suppose more of a trial to them than we were able to appreciate we were discussing the situation in our room the next morning laura was in a bubble of indignation mamma her hand was as cold as ice when i touched it on our way downstairs if they have put an old lady like her in a cold room i think it is a shame i tried to comfort her with the reminder that she was merely surmising again that perhaps mrs smith was quite comfortable i tried also to excuse our hostess by recalling the number of guests to be entertained and the improbability that they had many such sumptuous apartments as our own it was all to no purpose laura refused to be charitable i don't care if there are a hundred guests mamma they ought not to have invited more people than they could treat decently she is the only old lady among them and should have had special consideration sending her up two flights of stairs i am sure they do that for she was quite out of breath when i met her and her teeth were chattering with the cold i am certain she dressed in a room without a fire i don't suppose she has done such a thing before at this season in forty years i meant to go up with her and see how she was situated but she slipped away while that silly little lida was speaking to me how irving can the sentence was left unfinished as though words had failed her somebody fumbled at our door-knob in an uncertain manner turned it hesitatingly then apparently repented then gained courage and at last pushed the door open an inch or two and peeped in it was mrs solomon smith for the land's sake she said pushing wide the door as she caught sight of familiar faces i found you at last i thought i never should i believe i've peeked into twenty rooms since i started a body could get lost in this house as well as in the street where's that black hole that you stand over to get warm my feet are all but froze off auntie exclaimed laura haven't you any hole in the floor in your room nor a stove nor any means of warming you not a sign of a hole child i guess all the holes that was made to order gave out before they got as high as my room and they had to take them that come by chance ain't you fine though this is a pretty room i guess it is the prettiest one in the house and i peeked into some nice ones i declare i'm beat a little at the way they live must cost something to pay the rent for this place and get all the fixings put into it 
i'm glad they're so much better off than solomon reckoned but i don't understand it for all that i declare i don't meantime laura had drawn the easiest chair in the room to the register's side and gently seated her old lady in it you look completely tired out she said still speaking indignantly i don't believe you feel as well as you did last night well the fact is child i didn't get more than a dozen winks of sleep i had the sociablest kind of bed you ever see in your life i couldn't even turn my elbow but it would squeak out something or other at me i kind of got witched with the thing after a while it seemed to me it squeaked every time i breathed so i just opened my eyes wide and gave myself up to the business of lying awake and keeping that thing still i felt worse about it because them two hard-working creatures that tugged up and down stairs with satchels and towels and then waited on the table and tended door and flew two ways at once all the evening was right next to me and it did seem a pity that that squeaky thing should keep them awake i'm going to borrow the oil can to-day and put an end to its tongue i peeked into a room that had a sewing machine in it so i suppose they've got an oil can laura looked volumes at me before she spoke auntie smith did they send you up to the fourth floor to sleep i don't know how many floors there are my dear but i guess i'm about as high up as they get unless they swing a bed out on the roof i don't think it would be a bad place of a summer night but i guess nobody sleeps there now auntie smith i think it is a perfect outrage i just don't mean to endure it the idea of sending an old lady their own aunt at that upstairs to sleep with the servants bless your heart child i don't mind being along with the servants they're clean-looking girls and they are not in the same room anyhow it seemed kind of comfortable to have them there i believe i'd a felt skeery like without them my door wouldn't lock that is to say there wasn't any key there to try whether it would or not and though i've slept along with solomon year in and year out and never thought of locking the door i'm just that foolish that the minute i get away from him i go to hunting around for locks and keys as if all the evil-disposed folks in the world was bound to get hold of me i think it is a perfect shame repeated laura i wonder what your husband would say to it all mrs smith i had been wondering the same thing i had a vision just at the moment of the slow-spoken oftentimes silent solomon smith an old man whom people called commonplace who yet had shielded and cared for this plain old woman during all the years of their married life as tenderly as he could possibly have done it on her wedding day she laughed a little at laura's question and a tender light came into her eyes as she answered i don't know what he would say exactly but there's some things here he would think kind of queer i tell you what it is for the first time in all the forty years we've lived together i'm glad that solomon ain't along now that's just as true as you live solomon is kind of slow about some things especially things that he ought to be slow about and he is gentle and long-suffering if ever a body was but when he is riled it means something and the folks that rile him are apt to know it i'm most amazing glad he didn't come 
i'm not muttered laura a riled person would be a decided relief to my nerves at this present time mrs smith paid no attention to her already she had passed from these minor matters to a thought of more importance mrs leonard turning suddenly to me with an anxious look on her wrinkled face irving was a good boy when he lived with you but as far as i can remember he wasn't a christian do you believe he can have got to be a man without paying any attention to that i'm afraid he has i said and i felt my voice trembling it was a sore subject with me i had tried to do my duty yet i seemed to have failed both with my own and with irving i have never seen anything in his letters nor heard anything about him that would lead me to suppose him a christian and he is going to set up a family take a young thing like my niece elizabeth and play at living without having that matter fixed the dismay in mrs smith's voice might have been ludicrous to some to me it gave a sense of solemnity laura too looked grave do you think it is wicked for people to marry unless they are christians she asked the question with perfect gravity and without a suspicion of a sneer in her face mrs smith turned towards her and regarded her steadily for a moment while she seemed to be revolving the question do i think it is wicked child she repeated slowly why when was it anything but wicked to live along in this world neglecting the lord jesus and his call to come and follow him getting married and settling down in life without asking him anything about it just piles up the wickedness of course it doesn't begin there but it makes another long step the wrong way and piles up the responsibility too besides it always did seem to me a kind of mockery he had the twain become one flesh in the first place just for a kind of continual picture to us of the love that there ought to be between him and us and if we snatch at the picture and are satisfied with it and let the real thing go it seems to me we are kind of tossing up our heads at him and saying aha aha just as them wretches did around the cross but there that's just an old woman's notion i'm afraid there's two of em i ain't heard the child say a word but i seem to kind of feel it in my bones that she ain't a christian either i guess jonas ain't much of a one nowadays he used to be a church member but it don't look like it now i tell you laura you flash them bright eyes of yours like stars over my going up three pairs of stairs and sleeping next to the servants and breaking the ice in my pitcher in the morning and all that but the whole of it ain't nothing to going to bed without having a word read in the bible and kneeling down together at family worship i could most have cried last night to think of solomon kneeling down all alone and me doing the same a great big household like this breaking up and going to bed without family prayer laura don't you never marry a man who can't get down on his knees and pray for you as your father has done all his life mark my words you will be most awful homesick if you do End of chapter eight